He spent 12 seasons in the National Football League, an all-pro defensive end by way of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Beat train, Bertrand Perry. <clears throat> and uh, Mike Gross. It's Train and Gross on the No Pull Podcast Network. He knows. <laughs> Welcome in, Train and Gross. Yeah. Damn suits and corporate don't listen to a word I say. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That's fine. It's our pre-Thanksgiving edition of the podcast. Thanks for spending po- time with us. Really excited. Coming up in a little bit, we will catch up with Ron Wolf. My big brother. You hear him on the Cardinals Radio Network. If you're local to Phoenix, you uh, hear him on uh, your drive on the way into work. And if you watch the Cardinals back in the day, you remember a really uh, tough-nosed, blue-collar, lunch-pail type of guy. Four-time Pro Bowler. Four-time Pro Bowler. Put some respect on the name. That's right. Special teams. Four straight Pro Bowls, which is even harder to do as special teams. Can I tell you that I met Ron Wolfley? I got it was way back. So I host a Saturday morning show. Right. And I've been on that show now for geez, a long time. But my first I was it was Mike Morocco and Ron Wolfley. It was Rock and Wolf Saturdays or something like that. And that's where I met Wolf. Okay. Um and you know, great guy. Great guy, and I look forward to catching up with him in a minute. Uh, we got to start it off. Last night uh, in mm. Seattle, Cardinals mm. drop. Uh, I want to say from a scoreboard standpoint, it was a close one. I don't know how close it felt. And uh, anyway, 28-21, Seahawks with the win. Um, and we'll get into that here in this segment. And I just want to start it off. Far be it for me to make excuses for anybody. But you played, and, and you know how players look at these things. It just felt like. This was an ugly Thursday night game. I mean, everybody's happy it was the Seahawks and the Cardinals. You look at the great game they provided when they were on Sunday night football a few weeks ago. I mean, this was two good football teams. I don't think anybody's going to take that away. Right. But the penalties, yep. the the poor play. Um, lack of execution. Lack of execution, lack of energy. I heard the crowd noise. I don't know if that was NBC crowd noise or if it was fake Seattle crowd noise, whatever it was. It's always fake Seattle crowd noise. I know how you feel about that. And I I have a feeling it wasn't Fox because they muted a lot because they were probably picking up the sideline microphones. (laughs) Right. Um, But it just – there was not a lot of energy. I have a Mm -hmm. feeling – and, again, not making excuses. These guys are paid to go play games. Right. And you know when you see the schedule that there is a Thursday night game out there looming. So you hopefully are able to prepare for it mentally. But I, I, I venture to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, if this game would have been played on Sunday afternoon in Seattle or Sunday evening in Seattle, we might have had a different product altogether. I'm not saying the Cardinals would have won, but I, I, I just think you'd have a different feel after this game. There's no question. And, and as you get further along in the season, Mike, you start to see the war of attrition really take place. And, and I think for these teams, with the injuries that they've occurred over the course of the first 10 weeks of the season, to have to go out there – four days later after a Sunday game that's been brutal, mm-hmm. uh, it, 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 you saw two tired teams on the field last night. And I think that was unfortunate because that type of game with, with those type of stakes needed a full week's rest, guys coming in at full strength and not a short week. I'm, I'm not a fan of Thursday night football to begin with. Mm-hmm. I've never liked Thursday night. I understand the Thanksgiving and, and the tradition and the Cowboys and the Lions hosting those games because – before them, nobody wanted those games. Right. And so I, I have no problem with them having their games. Now they have a third one after them even because, of course, when there's money, th- there's going to always be the need for more or the desire for more. 
But I, I just think this was uh, – I think most football fans were cheated yeah. because this game was played on a Thursday. And, and for Cardinal fans, you, you have a little bit of a beef because you got to go all the way to the great Northwest because the road team – after week five, is at a distinct disadvantage, having one and a half less day, less preparation. And you saw the, the, the lack of, of, of uh, dynamics, if you will, as far as the play calling, because they just didn't have enough time to put in a dynamic uh, game plan for this game. One thing that sticks out to me beyond the, the, the play and the, and the numbers and all that is when you look at the box score, and you saw it real time happening, but you know, when you're watching the game, you don't appreciate how things add up and what the numbers are. 18 penalties combined for these two teams, 194 yards. And, again, I'm not blaming the officials for the outcome either because, you know, you're paid to do a job as an official. You call what you see. Um, there was the one big penalty on Drake Kirkpatrick, but I'm not going to blame that on the game or the outcome of the game. It impacted at the moment. Sure. But, again, I think the, the penalties have been an issue for the Cardinals this year. Um, if they have aspirations to go further, obviously they have to clean it up. But, again, looking back at this game, a lot of the penalties – were mental penalties when you talk about false starts with uh, no crowd with no crowd in Seattle right and you know false starts and that was on both sides of the ball sure like you know I'm, I'm sure Pete Carroll's happy they get the win uh it's better to to you know look back on a, a win maybe that wasn't executed properly as opposed to what the Cardinals are doing right now but the, the Seahawks had the same problems in their stadium but it was just an ugly game and penalties I think were emblematic of what we saw. There's no question, Mike. And, and I was saying before the game that all six and three records were not created equal. Mm. Both of these teams came in with a very different view on their six and three record. The Cardinals were feeling really good coming off of a big time win, last second thriller against the Buffalo Bills. And then you had the Seattle Seahawks who had just got drubbed on the road uh, the, the Sunday before. And so their, their six and three is like, man, we're, we're, we're six and three. The Cardinals came in like, hey, we're six and three. We're tied for the yep. first for first place in the NFC West, and everybody's feeling really good. But I think they got caught into that situation where a team that was desperate, more desperate than them playing at home, got the upper hand. And, and then once you start thinking about, okay, the logistics of it all, you have to travel on short notice, you have to go a, a time zone away, and, and your body just was not really ready to play. I, I would love to get a stat on after week seven or eight, what the record is for Thursday night road teams, how those teams do. Because I would, I would venture to think that not a lot of road teams have a lot of success on Thursday night after week seven or eight. And the other thing that's happening continues to happen. Here we are late November, mm -hmm. right, nine, ten games into the season for, for these teams, the injuries. Yeah. I mean, again, you know, both teams last night, so I'm not saying Seattle got an advantage because of this, and they were, you know, they were dropping like flies. Saw Greg Olson go down. A non-contact injury, right? Plantar uh, fascia. Plantar fascia blew that out. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had, yeah, that. Uh, Cardinals, name the defensive lineman. Like, you know, you look at who was up front on this, uh, this team. Yeah. I mean, they're signing linemen off the street right now. Literally. Literally off the street. And I thought you made a great point on the pregame show where you're like, hey, look, these guys are out there. Maybe they were good at one time, but you're on the street for a reason. Snacks, okay, great, you're a big man. But you were not on a roster for a reason. You were not a game changer right? at this point in your career. Right, so – you know, that's what we're reduced to here as we try to bolster the lineup, but the line. But, you know, that defensive line, couldn't pick them out of a lineup if you had to. Couldn't pick them out of a lineup, but at the same time, I thought that they came out strong. <clears throat> you think of the first play. Angelo Blackson came out, got the sack the very first play of the game. Everybody's feeling good, negative yardage play. But then Russell Wilson went on one of those methodical 
what it was like 12 play drive mm-hmm. where they were just able to wear down the Cardinals defense and then ultimately ended up in seven points. And, and I don't think they really recovered from that, Mike. I think that first hit, you know, they always talk about everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Well, the Cardinals got hit in the mouth, and I don't know if they necessarily recovered from that first hit. They battled. They were warriors. And, but I don't think that they were able to, to truly overcome that first blow that the Seattle Seahawks threw their way. No, absolutely. And then the other thing uh, that we see is offensive consistency. And, and, you know, I don't know, and, and I guess we'll find out over time, the Cardinals certainly won't broadcast this, you know, was Kyler hurt? Most uh, he, definitely. He was hurting. Most Clearly definitely. he was hurting. Yes. Is he hurt? I guess, is, you know, yes. will we come back? Is he and, injured? Injured. Okay, thank you. He's will hurt, we come back injured. and ha- is there an MRI that's yes. structural damage, which yes. all Cardinal fans are holding their breath, crossing their fingers, whatever you do to, to, to get that good luck. Uh, you know, as the game went along, it was cold, it was damp. Fortunately, it wasn't raining, but, you know, that's not a recipe for working through those things. So mm-hmm. we'll see. But, again, even with that, the offensive consistency, this is a good rushing team. A lot of people don't appreciate it. Maybe they went away from that a little bit too much. Um, maybe it's coaching. I don't know. But just lack of consistency by the offensive unit was frustrating to watch last night. To me, the, the game in, in, in essence was poor offensive line play. This was one of the poor efforts that I saw from the offensive line. Yeah that we've seen all year. This, this group has been very solid thus far this year, and, and that's why the team has had the overall success that they've been able to have because Kyler has been relatively clean in most games because he hasn't been hit a lot. And even when they had opportunities to hit him, he was always able to, to get out of it. But this particular game, uh, you, you saw the, the, the holding penalty in the end zone, the safety. That was just problematic, and that was emblematic of what this team was doing uh, this particular game. So – you're going to have those stinkers. You have 16 games. You got 16 cracks at it. You're going you're gonna to put up a dud every now and again, and I think this was the Cardinals' dud. I think the timing of it makes it a little bit worse than what it is, but right. make no mistake, this team still has a lot ahead of it. They still are in great position to finish, uh, possibly tied for first place or, or, or win the division outright if some things go their way. So even though this was a, a setback, a bump in the road, I still think – all of their goals are still in front. How importantly mentally is the extra time off the, what do they call it, the mini bye week, right? You know, you talk about the physical healing up. That's yes. obvious. Yes. But if it's a stinker, it, would you rather get back at it? And so, look, this was a fluke. We're, we're, we're better than what we showed on Thursday night. Or do you appreciate the fact that you've got a couple, three extra days with the mini bye, mm-hmm. and then you get back to it next week and prepare for your game at New England? This all starts with Cliff Kingsbury. This will, this will show his growth and his development. If he is a coach that truly understands that this is a marathon and not a sprint, then he will do the necessary things. If he goes off of emotion and, 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 and react based off of the game that they just played, mm-hmm. then he can mismanage this, and you can see a team that's going to be tired and limp through the last six games of the season. But I, I truly believe that he's got enough guys, he's got enough veteran coaches around him that have been around this game long enough to know how to get through a season, how to – Pick your spots, if you will. I think they'll be fine, and I think he'll give this team requisite rest that will give them opportunities to go out there and finish strong these last six games. So when they go to New England up next, and you know, right now you look at this, to your point, what, what's ahead for this team? You look at the playoffs. Uh, you got seven teams at least into the playoffs this year, even with the loss last night. Mm-hmm. If the playoffs started tonight mm-hmm. or this week, whatever, the Cardinals right. would be in the playoffs. Right. The other thing you do is you look behind the Cardinals. Don't look ahead right now when you're thinking about this. Mm-hmm. Look at the teams behind the Cardinals and say, are you worried about the Chicago Bears right now? No. Are you worried about the Minnesota Vikings right now? No. Are you worried about the Detroit Lions right now? Absolutely So not. what it tells me is you got to take care of your own business. Sure. You look ahead. 
Uh, I don't want to steal Sean Crespin's thunder, but he, when I was walking in, he was talking about how well the Rams are playing. And we'll find out Monday night when they play at Tampa yes. to find out you know, what that really is with the Rams. But I, right now I would agree with him. But there's a lot ahead of this Cardinals team. If they take care of their business, that you could be able to put the Seattle loss in the rearview mirror and see what you can do from here on out and hopefully cross that line as a playoff team in your head coach's second year. The one thing about playing the New England Patriots is that whatever you put on film to be weaknesses – Bill Belichick is going to absolutely exploit those things, and he's going to take away what you do best. So the offensive line is going to be on the spot this coming game against the New England Patriots. He's going to try to find a way to put pressure on those five guys and and see if they can protect Kyler Murray indeed, or or is he going to take a lot of shots and potentially re-injure that shoulder? And and he's going to make you play left-handed. And will the Cardinals be good enough to play left-handed against one of the all-time great coaches. I understand that to a point. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Bill Belichick will go down as one of the greatest ever to coach in Rightfully the National so. Football League. However, mm-hmm. he doesn't have that full complement of players, the roster that he's had in the past. Does that factor into what you're saying there? Or do you have to be that concerned about what Bill Belichick, because he can scheme, he can figure it out, and he can make you look bad no matter what his roster looks like. This is going to be a litmus test for the Cardinals and the Patriots. I think for the the Patriots, of course, they're still under 500. They're still fighting to get back in the playoff contention. And with Bill Belichick, this is one of those, what are you going to do now that you don't have the golden boy? Are you going to be a guy that's going to completely fold? People are going to look at him, and, and I think a lot of his legacy is going to be on the line this year. Not necessarily particularly this game, but this will be part of the season. If they finish below 500 and then Tampa goes on and, and, and has a pretty good year, of course everybody's going to say, well, sure. it was all about Brady. Or it, 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 if they are able to get in, they're going to say, well, hey, you know, maybe Belichick was the mastermind behind it all. But either way, I think both teams have a lot to prove come that, that Sunday when they go out there at Gillette Stadium. You know, and I'll add one thing, guys, while you're finishing up this conversation. The, the one thing you can't do, and expect to win a football game is to shoot yourself in the foot with penalties the way the Cardinals have them recently. And here's an interesting stat to keep in mind. I didn't even know this until this year, but apparently the NFL keeps an official stat of stalled drives due to penalty. The Arizona Cardinals right now have 24 drives in their 10 games stalled by penalty. You want to know how many the uh, New England Patriots have? Four. That's, that's a huge that's a huge difference in terms of teams that shoot themselves in the foot. I mean, they've had some untimely turnovers, right? Sure. Cams, fumbles, and whatnot. But it's still a team that is very mentally strong. Ron Wolfley's holding on the line, so we got to get out of here. But right. are, are penalties on the players or on the coaches? Because I've Depends heard, I've heard from both sides, right? Depends on the penalty. Right. I, to me, offsides, that's completely on the player. Unsportsmanlike conduct or taunting, that's completely on the player. When you start talking about delay of gain and, and those type of plays, mm-hmm. those are on the coaches because they've got to get the information to the players mm-hmm. in time enough to be able to get it to the rest of the team to go out there and execute. So a lot of it depends on what the actual penalty is. If it's something where it's just about concentration, that's 1,000% on the players. And 10 of the Cardinals' 24 stall drives have been attributed, according to NFL's official stat sheet, to false start. Well, there so you that, go. that's just mental. you got to lock in. And, and – you, you talk about Larry Fitzgerald and his, his stellar career. I, I'd i like to know, your magic box there that tells you all these things, how many penalties <laughs> has that man had in his career? Because he got a penalty last night too, holding penalty, uh, you know, so whatever. But Those are I, so subjective. It's very receiver. subjective. Like they got the ISO cam and they showed him kind of 
Whatever. But I'm just saying, just in general, Larry Fitzgerald being called for penalty isn't something you're used to hearing. Yeah, at receiver, I mean, depending on what cut the running back or the guy that's running with the football yeah. makes, it could either be a great block or it could be a holding call. Yeah. So a lot of times you got to give Fitz the benefit of the doubt. I always. mean, he's, he's, he's old and <laughs> he's been around forever. So, you know, he used to always do that to me. So it's my first time to get that at Larry. So here you go, Larry. You're old, bro. So uh, you're going to get the benefit of the doubt. That's how it goes. I think you got to end it there. Speaking of old and speaking of Larry Fitzgerald, some of the best highlights ever out of training camp are Larry Fitzgerald tackling our next guest. No question. Uh, out of the blue, just running up behind him. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Ron Wolfley, tie-in. Are know. you kidding me? <laughs> we'll do that next on Training Growth. B-Train. Mike Gross. <laughs> Train and Gross. Welcome back. Training Gross. And as promised, we jump out. And say hello to our friend, Ron Wolfley. Wolf, it's Mike Gross. Haven't talked to you in a long time. How have you been? Grace. There it is. There it is. Hey, this is a true story. How are you doing, Grace? Wolf, this is a true story. I have two nicknames that I wear proudly, not because of what the nicknames are, but, but who gave them to me. That's right. I got uh, Grease from Ron Wolfley. Yes. And then when, when Bertrand and I were doing the show back in the day on, on 1060, uh, I got uh, Money Mike. From Big Al. Alfred, from Alfred Williams. How Alfred, about that? Alfred Williams. I, I wear that one with pride, you know. Just, so those, that, those are the two. But, hey, Wolf, thanks so much for, for coming on and, you know, training gross. We can't do a radio show anymore, so we started to do a podcast and really happy you're uh, able to spend some time with us. But uh, how you doing, man? We haven't, uh, like I said, haven't talked to you in a while. Speaking of busy, you know, the radio, the, the Cardinals. It's, yeah. Uh, you're a busy yeah, man. Yeah, Grace. I'm doing well, man. I really am. You know, like God is good. That's what I know. Um, you know, I'm enjoying this season, watching this team grow, uh, go through the metamorphosis of being a five-win team to what I think could be a playoff team and watching them grow in that regard. It's kind of um, two steps forward, one step back for the most part. But it is entertaining. Uh, they have some exciting players. And let's face it, it's football. And that never sucks but it Absolutely, Wolf. And, and the thing that I love about it is, is these guys have overcome so much in order to just be on the field, the daily grind and, and, and all of the tests that they have to take and everything else that goes into just getting out there on the field. But then you got the, the competition aspect of it. That's something that uh, it, it's, it's natural. It's just like, like breathing for those guys. But I want to I wanna take a step back, Wolf, for you for just a second. We'll get into the game in just a sec. But I, I, I talked to you a little bit earlier, and I want to ask you this question because this has been something that has been on my mind for quite some time. When you think about – 2020 and everything that has come along with 2020. Of course, we've got COVID. Of course, we've had the election. There's so many different things that have gone on aside from the world of sports. But then you think about what role does sports actually play in society in, in, in today's time? And, and I wanted to ask you because you're one of the guys that you know I love and respect you so very much. In your humble opinion, what role does sports play in society today and is it too big a role or, or too small a role where does it fit in, in in the hierarchy of where things are to be you know honestly I think that it depends on who you ask for the most part I mean let's face it um, for a non-sports fan I think they've realized just how totally unimportant sports are <laughs> for sports fans 
I think it's made them resolute in their love and passion for the games that they love and support. In other words, all it's done is polarize people even more. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've got non-sports fans that go, you know what, honestly, I, I, I don't even think about what is going on in the world of sports. And then all of a sudden you've got these sports fans that say, hey, you know what, we always have taken this for granted. Stop and think about it, guys. Stop and think about how we have taken sports for granted. Did you ever think, boy, I wonder if they're going to play a season this year. I mean, have you ever thought that about the NBA? Have you ever thought, man, I wonder if there's going to be an NCAA tournament? <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, this for the most part, we've taken this for granted. And when you take things for granted, right, when you make assumptions that things are going to be one way or the other, and they don't turn out that way, boy, the shock yeah. and awe is truly noticeable. And I think for sports fans, I think we've all realized that sports are a gift in our life, something that we love, something to be passionate about, something that we enjoy, and we can't take it for granted. In other words, once again, it's polarized people and made it even more crystal clear to them, I think. Hey, Wolf, how about, you know, when you talk about you going to work, calling the games every week on the Cardinals radio network, you know, first and foremost, I think you work with one of the best in the business when it comes to play-by-play and and complement each other so well. But, you know, you guys aren't on the road. So when the Cardinals play those games away from uh, State Farm Stadium, you're having to make do there in the stadium and call it. How has that changed it for you as you do these games uh, uh, that way? Greece, it's so weird, man. I mean, it is the weirdest thing in the world. Are you kidding me right now? We've got two monitors, and thank goodness that we've got the monitor on the left. It's the All-22. The NFL wasn't going to allow people to actually see the All-22, but we can see the All-22, and that is the only way we can truly call the game because if you trust the television cameras, Mm -hmm. they're going to give you angles that will not allow you to see the entire game. But am I going to sit here and tell you right now just how odd it is to be driving over to State Farm Stadium on a Thursday night? There we go. We're driving over there and and knowing that the team is in Seattle, Washington, getting ready to play. Man, after doing this for 15 years, it's just such a weird feeling to be calling it off a monitor. I miss being there in person. I miss the juice. I miss the energy of watching it myself and letting my eyes go wherever I want to go instead of where the camera is actually going to go. And, yeah, it's been really, really tough. And it's been tough on days as well. I mean, Cash is a guy that loves to call these games, loves to, loves to work for the Cardinals. And the reason being is because he gets to be a fan. Mm-hmm. He, he does these national games, and you can't be a fan in those national games. You, you just got to call it the way you see it and be as neutral as you possibly can. And Cash gets the ability to, you know, start screaming and DeAndre Hopkins makes an incredible catch after a Kyler Murray throw, you know. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to ask you a question I asked Bertrand uh, last week when we were talking. What's it like for you? Obviously, you played the game collegiately at the highest level and you had a great career in the NFL. Now you're in stadiums that are empty or virtually empty. What's that like? And, and, you know, I'll ask you what I asked Bertrand. How would that have impacted you as a player to play in an empty stadium? Yeah, that's a great question. It really is. Um, I, I can tell you right now, I always used to say this and mean it a hundred times over, but I'd have played this game in an alley, and I don't care. That that was the person 
that I was because, I, listen, I shouldn't have played 10 days in the National Football League, let alone 10 years. I, and, I, and I say that in all seriousness. I, I shouldn't have. I knew that I was, oh my goodness, I'm buying time in this league. Somehow, some way, being able to compete against all these guys, I had to work myself up into a frenzy to go out on that field and just hold up, hold my own against these other guys. Just unbelievable. And the mailman just <laughs> walked up right now. So I, if you hear a dog barking, <laughs> just get ready. <laughs> if you hear a dog barking, just get ready because she's, she's going to ring the doorbell and the dog's going to start barking right now. But uh, I, for me, I didn't need the juice of the crowd. And Greece, to be to be honest, I think a B train. I be I think a U, and I think a coming off the edge on a critical third down, and suddenly you make a sack. Oh my goodness, the crowd, the Red Sea going absolutely ballistic because B train did that. <laughs> They don't go ballistic because you busted up a wedge. <laughs> you know what I'm they, they don't go. They don't go ballistic because you isolated the Mike linebacker. <laughs> I'm just telling you, right? So I, I, when I think of playmakers, yeah. when I think of guys that fill from the crowd that are playmakers, mm. man, I, I'll tell you what, I did it for them. I do. I can project myself into their heads and say, man, this, this, I'm feeding off this energy, whether it's a positive energy or I'm going to feed off this. You know, for me, once again, um, yeah, I play the game in an alley. Visiting with my big brother, Ron Wolfley. And, and Wolf, I, I know that you, you say that, and I appreciate that, but you know your respect came on – Monday morning when we watched that film and we saw you go and bust those wedges and we saw you take on those lot those linebackers. That's where your respect came from because, trust me, you were one of the most respected men in that locker room. Make no mistake. The guys may have gotten more praise outside of the locker room, but where it really counted the most in the locker room, brother, you had as much juice as anybody. Man, thank you for saying that, dude, seriously, because I, I got to tell you right now, absolutely that matters to me. That did matter to me. When I knew my teammates were going to be watching me, when I knew somebody that was as talented as Roy Jeffrey Green, right, or Otis Anderson or Salt Mitchell, they'd actually take the time to walk up to me and say, oh, man, that is awesome. What you, when you ran into them two, you know, I see, yeah, that mattered. There's no doubt about it. So Wolf, let's let's get to this game, and I know we we, we could talk we, we could talk football all night long, and and uh, we we'd never get tired of it. But you know, we we both have jobs to do, and, and we both have rest to get. So when you think about the game last night, and 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 how everything has transpired, it's been a little bit less than twenty four hours, like twenty twenty hours ago. The, the game. What what is what is the the overriding thought that that comes to your mind? when you think about that game in its totality? The first thought I really have is this team is such a wild Mustang. That's who they are right now. I, you've got a young quarterback who is a Mustang, a quarterback that has unbelievable talent, God-given talent. And at the same time, he's developing as a player. He's developing as a leader. I look at the offense last night. I'm so disappointed in the offensive play. I honestly thought the offense would go in there. If you would have told me, guys, that the Arizona Cardinals defense was going to give up 26 points, and that's what they gave them, 
right? Two more points were added on with the safety. If you told me that the Arizona Cardinals defense was going to give up 26 points to the Seattle Seahawks, I would have said, are you kidding me? I'll take that all day and run because I would have thought we would have scored 35, 38, maybe even 40-plus on this defense because the Seattle Seahawks defense has been historically bad. I mean, just horribly bad. Wolf, I, I appreciate you giving us uh, these few minutes, and I'm going to get you out of here on a lighter note, brother. As we approach Thanksgiving, you, you know that, that there's going to be lots of conversations going on about the menu of, of Thanksgiving and, and, and what's going to be consumed on Thanksgiving. L- let me ask you this. In, in the Wolfly compound with the Warrior Cream Stephanie, what is going to be a must-have when you start talking about Thanksgiving dinner? It, what will be one of the, the, the things that you just cannot have or cannot live without as far as uh, being on the table and, and something to consume? Well, first of all, let me just say this right now, okay? Um, I, there, there isn't much the Warrior Queen makes that I don't like. I like it all. So all right. we're going to have the typical. We're going to have the turkey, of course. We're going to have the mashed potatoes. We're going to have the gravy. We're going to have all of that. The green beans, of course. Not the green bean casserole. We're not going to have the green bean casserole because that's nasty. We, and we know how nasty that is. We're not going to have the pumpkin pie either. Okay, that's – we're not going to have pumpkin pie for the grossest dessert. <laughs> Who ever thought of this, by the way? Who ever thought, we're going to go ahead and take pumpkin and stick it into a pie crust and try to call it the – I mean, you've got to be kidding me. The, so we don't have pumpkin. We don't have the green bean casserole, which is really gross. We don't have that, and we don't have sweet potato. Sweet potato, anything. Okay, first of all, there are people who actually like it, but especially don't put the marshmallows on top of the sweet potato. It's the grossest thing on the face of the planet. So I think it's a better way to answer your question by telling you those are the three things we're not going to have. Everything else we're going to eat and enjoy, my brother. That is so awesome. And we ended on a high note. Ron Wolfley, you hear him on the Cardinals Radio Network locally here on the radio in Phoenix. Wolf, so good to catch up with you. Happy Thanksgiving. Best to you and the family. And we do appreciate you uh, coming on the podcast with us this week. Love you, brother. Love to you guys. Love you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Wolf. Okay, guys. Have a good night, bro. We'll talk at you soon. Okay, man. Okay. Appreciate it. Man, that didn't disappoint. We'll step aside here. Do we uh, be right back? More of the podcast coming up. Train and gross. Thanks again to Ron Wolfley. I'm so hungry after that segment. <laughs> Never a dull moment with Wolf. When, when, when we hit the big time, can we have this catered? The green room? <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. Get a sponsor. Yeah, get in the. Mm, there you go. I, I want some turkey right now. Wow. And you know what? And we're going to do our own Thanksgiving menu breakdown coming up. And not to don't, give don't it all get away. Don't me hungry, man. Don't, don't, not don't to give it away. It's Friday night. Don't do it. I like agree that. with Wolf on a lot of that, what he said. I agree with a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, he, he kind of lost me at the sweet potato, but, you know, that's we'll, – we'll, I digress. You do digress. Yeah. All right. Uh, big news in town. It was funny. Uh, Monday, mm-hmm. driving around listening to Sports Talk Radio, or if you're online, wherever you get your news, everybody's celebrating. We didn't even talk about it. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins beating the Bills, everything that that meant, kind of the point you made uh, in our opening segment – not all six and three records were created equal, no. uh, but you take it however you can get it. Absolutely. I think is the point. No question. Um, but you know, if you're doing a sports talk radio show on Monday, and you're halfway through your show, 
breaking that down every way you can. You get news that the the Suns officially mm. pulled the trigger on the trade that brought them Chris Paul. Right. And we we talked about that on last week's podcast. And we kind of gave our ideas on whether or not we thought it was a, a good idea, good move, whatever. How much you're going to pay? Uh, look, anytime you bring a, a player the stature of Chris Paul into your organization, there will be a steep price to pay. And so that term steep is relative because you and I were texting and you told me, well, not all that steep. Right. But Chris Paul is a Phoenix Sun. He is a Phoenix Sun, a 10-time All-Star and, and a guy that has had relative success in the NBA. He's a guy that's very well respected as one of the top point guards. I don't know if you're going to say one of the overall top guards, but uh, he's definitely a guy that, that demands respect. And everywhere he's gone, he's been a winner. Uh, you think about his time in New Orleans. You think about his time in L.A. You think about – in Houston and Oklahoma City, all those teams, when he wore those uniforms, played in the playoffs. So I think that's the common denominator. Chris Paul equals playoffs. It doesn't necessarily equal championship or conference final, but it does equal extra basketball. So I think for the Phoenix Suns, because it's been so long of a drought that they've been in the playoffs, to get in the playoffs at this point would be a huge step forward. And bringing in Chris Paul is definitely a big step in that direction. So, you know, you look at what they paid, and again, not that steep. And I think the, the, the one that sealed it for everybody, and we can get into their draft in a minute, uh, they kept that number 10 pick for this year's draft. Right. What they did with it is open for debate again. But they kept it, which I think everybody thought that was, I don't know, necessary is the right word, but would nice to have sure. if you had Chris Paul. Sure. Um, so now you've got two players that you really focus on past Chris Paul mm -hmm. you look at what does this mean to Devin Booker sure because you want to keep book happy he's number one priority he is number one priority but I think also uh, DeAndre Ayton mm. you know what can or will and I think that's kind of open for debate he mean to the development or further development of DeAndre Ayton but start with Devin Booker you know that star mentality uh, and and the fact in the NBA probably more so than any other sport once you get an upset star, mm -hmm. you either got to keep them happy or you got to move them. And I think it was important for the Suns to make that decision. And I don't know anybody who thought it would be a good idea to just throw their hands up and say, we can't keep this man happy. Let's send him to Minnesota or whatever. Oh. So bringing in Chris Paul keeps Devin Booker happy, and that's a good thing for the Phoenix Suns. It definitely makes him happier. And, and he also has history with Monty Williams. And I think that was a big thing that, was, that went under – stated uh, the fact that he has a relationship with the head coach already and they've developed a bond and, and you've already seen pictures uh, of Chris Paul yep. and Devin Booker actually putting up shots so these guys are already in the gym trying to get that chemistry built and I think for a Devin Booker this is going to be tremendous for him because one it takes the ball out of his hands and I think he's a guy he's not quite Clay Thompson in that he's not going to be a guy that can score you 60 points on 11 dribbles I think he's a little more advanced than that as far as his ball handling skills but you're going to let Chris Paul bring up the ball. You're going to let him get the offense set up. He's going to be a guy that's going to tell guys where to go. He sees every corner of the, of the court, so he knows where everybody's supposed to be. And I think giving him the ball in his sweet spot is going to be the biggest asset that the Phoenix Suns will get from having a Chris Paul because now you get to feed your superstar where he likes to be fed. And I think if he's going to get that ball where he can just pull up and shoot and, and, and hit that sweet spot, I think you're going to see a much more efficient – Devin Booker, you're not going to see a guy that's as worn down because he's not having to handle so many responsibilities on the offensive side. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see maybe a little bit better defensive Devin Booker because now he doesn't have all of the offensive responsibilities. Now he gets to go out and put a little bit more effort on the defense. So I think this is an all-around great addition for the Phoenix Suns, but more in particular 
for Devin Booker because now you free him up a little bit to be that all-around player. What about DeAndre Ayton? Because, you know, again, you and I have talked a lot about this, uh, not necessarily even on podcasts, just as we talk back and mm. forth. Mm. You know, look at the 2018 draft. You know, DeAndre Ayton comes out as a top player. He's from down the road, so that kind of made sense at the Can't time. Can't coach seven foot. Yeah, right. But here's a guy in his career that has uh, attempted under three, three free throws a game as a 6'11 player in the NBA. Now, I know he likes to kind of float around outside. You know, he got to freelance it down, went down at the U of A. That's okay when you're playing Sac State in a non-conference game yeah. or, or, or you're playing, uh, you know, some of the teams that, you know, uh, you can do that and still whoever. beat them by 20. Yeah, whoever. But when you've got a 6'11 big man mm-hmm. in the NBA, yeah. you've, and look, his personality is what his personality is. I'm not saying that he's going to turn into, a, a you know, that guy with a mean streak and, you know, turn into the bad boy Detroit Pistons or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You're 6'11". You have to try more than three free throws a game, don't you? You have to get in there. You have to average more than three offensive rebounds a game, I, I would think. Does, does Chris Paul have the, the, the cachet, if you will, to, to get into DeAndre Ayton's ear or head or whatever he needs to do to show him what he has? I think everybody agrees. He's only two years into this. So sure. there's potential there. Yeah. I think can he, can he help with that? Yes, he can. And I think the, the one thing that I love about Chris Paul is that Chris Paul is a bulldog. Chris Paul does not care who you are. He is going to get everybody's attention, and he is going to be in your face as a leader. He is not one of those passive leaders. He's not a rah-rah guy. Hey, here we go, team. He is a guy that is going to point out your flaws, mm-hmm. and he's going to t- demand that you do better. It's kind of like he's going to be the Wizard of Oz for DeAndre Ayton. He's going to give him a little heart because he needs a little heart. It's not all there for DeAndre Ayton. And, and that's no knock on DeAndre Ayton because he didn't, he didn't necessarily have to have it. When you're seven foot and you're, you're skilled, you can pretty much get away with just being seven foot. And it got him to be the number one overall pick in the draft. It got him to be one of the top recruits at the University of Arizona. And so now you, you see that there are a lot of guys that are 6'11", seven feet tall, that can do a lot of things that you can't necessarily match them with because – you haven't had that that push, yeah. if you will, to, to get better, to do the little things. And I think that's where Chris Paul comes in. He's going to demand that DeAndre Aiden gets better. He's going to demand that he plays with toughness. He's going to demand that he goes down on that block and he asks for that ball because he's going to put him in position to, one, get the ball, and then he's going to be like, hey, big fella, we're going to need you to go to work because we can't just depend on Devin Booker to shoot us into wins every single night. Yeah, I think that's uh, – that, that's – I think that's what Suns fans want to see because, again, you're inex- you can't untangle yourself. Mm. I was going to say inextricably, but I don't know if that's the right word. Mm. You're linked to the number three pick no in the question. 2018 NBA draft. Oh, no doubt. You look like you have something to say. No, I'm just, I'm just uh, you know, I, I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. Uh, listen, your, your comments on DeAndre Aiden were exactly what I've had in mind for, for years now, for the last two years, I should say. Uh, if you're a big – you can't have stretches of five, six games without a single free throw attempted. You just can't have it. Bringing in a guy like Chris Paul, to me, is, is perfect. That, that type of mentality. Everybody that talks about their experience playing with Chris Paul uh, will tell you how difficult he can be. Uh, and I think that's exactly what this lineup needs. I, that, that's all I had in mind. Well, that goes back to something we were talking about, I, th- I believe it was last week, but teaching a team to win or learning a, uh, how to win. Mm-hmm. And I think you can talk about that in the locker room in general. I think we were talking about the Arizona Cardinals, so you're talking about a 53-man roster. 
how do they learn how to win? But I think individually, you know, can you change what's been really easy, I think, up to this point for DeAndre Ayton? And I don't mean that – look, I, I, what's he else? I can't play dead, right? So I'm, this is not me questioning his basketball skills. Right. But he's, he's got so many gifts, so many talents physically. When he was playing, you know, we saw him here. He played prep ball here in Phoenix. So everybody knew him, and then he signed with the U of A. Mm-hmm. You got to see him do what he did at the U of A. It was dominant. And so it's been physically easy for him. And now to the point, you come into the, into the league, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you, you're, a dime, you're a dime a dozen. Like big men that do what you do, they're on everybody's roster. So how do you take that to the next level, and how do you have a guy who's 35 years old, who's been in the league, who's respected, and to your point, he's got, he's got a couple quivers that he can play. He can play the – I love the Wizard of Oz analogy. Yeah. You know, so how do you get through to DeAndre Ayton? Because as a Suns fan, as a, a, a group, I think we could agree – ten years, we're tired of this. Mm-hmm. This is the year we turn the corner. This yeah. is the year we get into the postseason. I'm sure that Chris Paul and Devin Booker will be, be really nice to watch together. Wouldn't it be even better if, if DeAndre Ayton figures out a way to take his game to the level and joins them at that? Is, is it, B-Train, you tell me being a pro athlete, mm-hmm. is, is, it, is, is it a switch that can just be turned on? Because with DeAndre Ayton, it's, it's the fact that it's just not consistent. Like one day you'll see it, the next two you won't. And he doesn't necessarily have that aggressive killer instinct that you, you would want with a guy with the physical skills that Mike's talking about. Is it a switch that you can finally get somebody to turn on, or is it a trait that you have or you don't have? Because I'm sure you've seen people in football throughout your career where you're like, dude doesn't have it, I can walk on this guy. It's a button that you can push. And it's not necessarily a light switch that you can flip on and on, but it's a button that you can push. You can get under somebody's skin. You can get under their skin and, and, and piss them off to a point to where they're going to play angry. Mm-hmm. And I think with DeAndre Ayton, look, he's never been told you're not the guy. He's always been told you're the guy. You're, you're special. You're, we need you. And that allows him to go out there and play the way that he does. It's like, okay, I feel like playing today. I'm going to be dominant. I'm going to have 15 rebounds. I'm going to score 30 points. I'm going to go out and do my thing. I'm going to show why I'm the number one overall pick. But then there's going to be games where he's like, eh, I just kind of want to be a guy. I want to just be out there. I want to be a presence where I get maybe 10 points and I've got seven rebounds and I, I only have two assists. That's not good enough. And Chris Paul is one of those guys. He's going to demand that 30-point, 15-17 rebound type effort every single night. Otherwise, he's going to be in his face in public. And one thing I can say about professional athletes, nobody likes to be reprimanded publicly. I don't care who you are. I don't care how accomplished you are or how accomplished you're not. Nobody likes to be called out in public. It does something to you. Your pride wells up. And I think for Chris Paul, he has no problem doing that. And I think that's going to be exactly what DeAndre Ayton needs. I also think that the impact on the basketball team for Chris Paul, now that he's, he's, it's official, uh, the mind, the, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? The way people around the basketball community have looked at the Phoenix Suns as an organization now for the past decade has not been favorable. Like the Jason Tatum situation when he was coming out of college and Coach K calls him and says, nah, let's just find a way to get you to Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, his agent tells him the same thing. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green was on TNT last year talking about how Devin Booker needs to get out of Phoenix. If you think he's the only player in the league that thinks that way, you're crazy. But bringing in a guy like Chris Paul, who's the NBA Players Association president, sure. who's respected in that, and you put him along a guy like Monty Williams, hopefully, hopefully – outside of his hopefully helping out DeAndre Ayton, 
it can put a different mindset in the basketball the community about what the Phoenix Suns are and who they are as a, as an organization. Can, can we all just can we all just talk about the elephant in the room? This is all about Robert. Go ahead. Sarver. Yep. No, you're not wrong. This is about Robert Sarver. If Robert Sarver stays out of the way and lets Chris Paul and and Monty Williams and these guys do what they're supposed to do, right? Then they're going to be just fine. But we've seen on so many occasions that Robert Sarver just cannot help himself. Well, and don't we th- won't that start to show this week? Today, in fact, the free agency opened up about two hours ago. Started. Yeah. So to your point, because it's gotten to the point where players won't come here. Because it used to be back in the day, Jerry Colangelo was running things. Everybody wanted to come Everybody, because Phoenix is beautiful in the wintertime, the weather, all the – They may not have signed here, but you know, I've lived here my entire life. And a Suns fan since I could pick up a ball. They may not have signed here, but they came through here. They talked to Jerry. And when the Suns called, you listened. Yeah. Right? No I mean, it just it, – for the last – decade plus I mean when when the the changing of ownership in front office happened they caught lightning in a bottle with the Steve Nash situation right and it masked everything for that first seven eight years and then when the Steve Nash era and everything started to go away you weren't that lightning wasn't there anymore and now the true I think the true image of what the Phoenix Suns front office was all about really was brought to the forefront, and they haven't been able to recover. Before we wrap this up and start talking, uh, start talking Thanksgiving dinner. Mm. Uh, Clay Thompson. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, if there's heart li- just broken, man, playing a pickup game apparently ruptures the Achilles. Lost all of last season due to injury. Will miss the entirety of this season due to injury. I think this finishes the Golden State Warriors' run. Yeah. I think their window is closed now. Wow. And Ke- Kelly Oubre Jr. is rumored to be going there. I mean, offensively, but not a Clay, right? Offensively, no. he can get it done, but he's not a Clay Thompson. So um, either yeah. way, offensively, he's not Clay Thompson. Defensively, he's certainly Damn not, sure yeah, not Clay Thompson. Yeah, exactly. And and to me, that's what made Clay so valuable to the Golden State Warriors is was his defense. Yes, he could play, he could light you up in a in a heartbeat. I mean, we've seen him score thirty seven points in a quarter for goodness sakes. He scored 60 points on 11 dribbles, for goodness sakes. We, we know that he can get solar hot. I mean, he can get so hot that he's scorching. But it was always his tenacity on defense and him taking the best backcourt player and shutting him down. That's what made Golden State so good. And, and, and they could switch off anybody. And, and, and him and Draymond were, were kind of the defensive stalwarts. And, and that's really what generated their offense. So not having him out there, I think it diminishes – Steph Curry because it makes him yeah. do more. And I think for Draymond, it exposes him because now he's going to be caught in situations where he's guarding guys that he's given up six, seven inches to, and he didn't always have to do that. Yeah. And and if he's going to have to do that consistently, I just don't think he's going to be the same player that we've been accustomed to seeing him be. Real quickly, as we wrap up, it's uh, my podcast, so I can do whatever. It's our podcast or whatever. You say, I, do your thing, Because people say, own it. Hey, shout, out own to, it. shout out to Cassius Winston. Mm-hmm. Michigan State product, yeah. drafted by Oklahoma City, traded to the Washington Wizards. Cheer, cheer. Pride of the University of Detroit Jesuit High School. There we go. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, we right. go. There we uh, go. First player in uh, school history to be drafted by the, an NBA team. That's awesome. I was close. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. No, not really. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We've had uh, a cu- couple players uh, uh, play in the NFL, but mm. uh, first player drafted mm. – uh, in the NBA draft. That's so a sh- big deal, though. Shout out that, to that, Cassius Winston. And, and shout out to uh, – I saw ESPN did a little feature on him. If you recall, when he was at Michigan State, his brother, uh, who played at a Division three school, about an hour away, committed suicide. Mm. And, uh, you know, they gave him the opportunity to sit it out. And, uh, you know, the support and the love that he got from the Michigan State community through, through it, I can't even imagine a devastating time 
Um, and uh, ESPN gave that story a, a little love and allowed Cassius to express himself on that. So I thought that was cool, but yeah. shout out to uh, U of D high grad, make it to the NBA. I, I just wanted to, to do a change up real quick. I, I wanted to ask you guys, and I asked Wolf this in the last segment, but how has COVID changed the way you guys view sports? Because I know with Wolf, we got his opinion, but, you know, Sean, I'll ask you first. How, how has it changed you? Like, do you, do you look at sports the same way that you did before pre-COVID? Is it does it have the same meaning to you? Like seeing the games with no fans, and and it's really just about the sport itself. It's not about the emotion. It's not about momentum and all this other stuff. When you just see it at face value, and 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 you got to lock in on on the nuances of the sport itself. Has it changed the way you approach watching? Uh, surprisingly, no. If anything, maybe it made me appreciate it all even more. You know, like for instance, Sunday, I'm going to sit down. It's my one day each week where I actually got some some time to relax, right? And when when the NFL kicks off, man, it's just like my my sanctuary time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm upstairs in the loft and um I I don't think from a fan's perspective, now I haven't been in a stadium like you have with some of the games. I haven't missed it that much. Like it hasn't changed much for me. Right. You know what I mean? But because we didn't have such anything for so long, that I think maybe I appreciate it even more now that when the games come on, I'm just like, man, yes, thank you, thank you. And, and you know, for me, the, uh, you hear me if you listen to radio shows or when we – I got the day job, right? I, and uh, I've been on lockdown at the house. I haven't left the house for work since March 20th. That's the last time our office was open. No wonder we can't wow. get you to leave here uh-huh. when we're done. <laughs> yeah, I love this. This is the only time of the week I get to see real people. <laughs> Sorry for all the hugs and everything when I get here. But, no, seriously, the uh, – you know, not, not having – the routine that you you know it's a it's a job right i love my work and i love the company but it's a job right get in the car you drive traffic hate the traffic whatever so when sports stopped there for a while it was awful because mm. i'm in the house especially when it started to get hot you got the windows closed the doors closed and it was a, a literally or i guess figuratively a breath of fresh air when they announced they were coming back with the nba and the nhl i think of the three of us i'm the biggest nhl fan here right i had it on constantly I had it at 10 o'clock in the morning, and they were playing the games in Toronto. I had it on in the background, background noise, watching the hockey games, of course, when the Coyotes were playing. I, of the three of us, I'm probably the least biggest fan of the NBA. Had the NBA games on constantly. And now that, to your point, football, pl- watch playoff baseball for the first time end-to-end for, forever. So I'm, I'm in the camp that I definitely appreciate it and, and appreciate the fact that, you know, these leagues really bent over backwards to figure it out, right? The bubbles that they employed in the NBA and the NHL – the mini bubble in, in baseball. And look, all the hard work that the NFL is doing, this is not easy, no. what they're doing. People can complain and point fingers, but logistically, this is hard what they're doing to get these games on and relatively few cancellations. Uh, and I always say, there, there was no playbook. You can't go back and say, well, you remember the last pandemic, guys, when we, we had to shut everything down for nine months? Just do what we did. Th- th- that doesn't exist. Right. So you're literally making this up as you go along. Yep. And to be able to have these games, I'm with you. On Sundays, I put the red zone on, uh, and I just can't forget stop. about it. It's yep. like I can't stop. Yeah, I can't. Karen yells at me. Literally the other day, she yelled at me because I was supposed to be doing something. I didn't do it. I was like a kid, just like uh, with you know, <laughs> watching the game. So no, to answer that question, yeah. I, I, I can't. I can't imagine how it's bad enough in 2020 
Let's answer it the opposite way. If mm-hmm. we didn't have this distraction, uh, I can't even imagine. Right. I cannot even and, imagine. And I think we have to tip our cap to the NFL because, like you said, they haven't lost a game yet, guys. Like, we've had games moved. We've had games shuffled around. Mm-hmm. They haven't lost a single game. And in a sport that we usually give a hard time for not being proactive, they're always reactionary, yep. but not proactive. Like, it came out a few weeks ago that before the season started, Roger Goodell and the, and the, and the, and the NFL office had a, a task team brought in that their only goal, a competition committee brought in, their only job was to have plans for if games got canceled right. yeah. and move them around. Where can right. we put them and how can we make it work? So yeah. they were extreme. I know everybody thought, oh, the NFL, look at them coming, coming down to the wire. They got no plans. We just don't know the plan. We don't, know, we don't have the game plan that they have. Right. But if you think that they were going to play a game on a Tuesday – and not have that already cleared with the Players Association, mm-hmm. you're out of your mind. Well, and you and that shows you that they, they those were all contingency plans already put in place. And I think right. you got to tip your cap to the Absolutely NFL because they were proactive in this case. Right. And they now they did have the longest time to prepare, but they they did they have yet to lose a football game, and that's something nobody else can say. Look mm-hmm. to Sunday when when the Cardinals and the Seahawks flexed up to Sunday night because they thought there was going to be a problem with the, yeah. the Bucks and the Raiders. Yep. Ended yep. up that they were able to play that game. Yep. But you know, at the same time, they had a plan. They had a contingency plan. Mm-hmm. And a big part of their contingency plan, like all sports are, keep our broadcast partners happy. And NBC wasn't going to stand for it if you had right. you know, Chris and Al standing in the stadium in Los Angeles and the lights are out no game being played. They're on track right now to be the only major four to not lose or have to significantly alter their schedule. The NBA lost games, yep. had to go to the bubble. Now, again, I understand – yeah, the, the timing of it, the NFL had you know time to prepare, but yeah, NBA and NHL had to jump NHL, off a moving. They had to jump off a moving truck. They did. Like, yeah. yeah, Major League Baseball yeah. was ready to to play ball, and boom, it hits. But and Major League Baseball handled it the worst. If we're gonna be honest, they did. I, yeah, well, look, they locked themselves in in a yeah. in a deal with the Players Association in March when it first hit. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You don't know what the next day is going to look like, not let alone the next five months, and that's what really set yeah. them back. But, right. yeah, right now the NFL is on track yeah. to be the only major four to not lose or have to significantly alter their schedule. I'll just say this real, real, real quick. Um, it's changed the way I watch football, and it's changed the way I've watched football because the element of the fan had so much to do with my job in particular. Mm-hmm. If I was playing at home, I knew that the fans screaming – was going to be an advantage for me and what I had to do because in order for me to get an advantage over that guy that I'm, I'm, I'm lined up against, he has to have something taken away from him. He could not hear the, the signal. Go back to the, the, the wild card playoff game against the Atlanta Falcons. We had a decided advantage because we knew that Matt Ryan was going to go on the same snap count. That's a huge advantage for me. When you're playing in an empty stadium, you can actually get coaching from the sidelines yeah. right up until the ball is snapped. So it, it changes the way that they're playing the game on the field, and it's also changed the way I've looked at it because now it's, re- it's really just a pure art form. There's no added elements that, that can change the game uh, for a team or against another. And so it's, it's more what you do on the field matters most. It's not about home field advantage and, and playing in this environment, playing in this weather, because everybody's got the same thing. It's just a matter of who's going to execute the best. And that has really made it a, a much better game. Well, I don't want to say much better, but it's just made it a different game mm-hmm. in, in how I go about watching it and, and how I would have approached playing it under these circumstances. Can we talk food now? Yes, we can talk <laughs> food now. Right, we're going to do that on the other side. Training gross, right back. Final segment of the podcast. 
Yeah, yeah. Training Gross. Follow us on Twitter, at Training Gross. Yeah. Sean Crespin does some good work there. We're going to have to get on IG, too. Man. We're going to have to get on all those social accounts. Yeah. All right. Figure that out. Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday this week. Yeah. One of the best food days of the year. We heard Ron Wolfley talk about it, so we figured had Wolf start up off, so we'll uh, we'll jump into this. Yeah. So this is where we usually do our pump the break segment. Right. Usually it's sports related, but we're going to give you a special Thanksgiving edition. Can I tell you guys a secret? Just the three of us. <laughs> yeah, so. you, is this thing on yet? What do you got? <laughs> mm-hmm. So at lunchtime today, uh-huh. I snuck out, and I was looking. Bertrand and I, we have a tradition where we wear, we do a Christmas picture together, a holiday mm. picture, mm-hmm. and we wear headgear, some kind of holiday headgear. Okay. And I wanted to have like hidden over here. Uh, one of those like head things like with turkeys or whatever. Okay. So I'm going to a couple different stores around the house and the ladies are looking at me like, get out of here, man. We got people stocking <laughs> up on toilet paper <laughs> for the second coming of the pandemic. And you're All asking right. me if you got Thanksgiving headgear. Excuse that you- me, ma'am. Do you have any antler headgear? Do you I have can- that thing with turkey bobblehead <laughs> that I can yeah. wear for the <laughs> get out of my store? Security. Gobble, gobble. Uh, Sorry. Wow. All right. Real- so I wanted, anyways, I wanted to break that out right now. Uh-huh. Let me start it I'm out. I'm glad you did. Let me start it out this way. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just moving on. Uh, the uh, <laughs> in terms of holidays, you're okay. not in the Christmas picture. <laughs> Sorry, pump the brakes or not. All right, Thanksgiving's the best holiday. Oh, pump the brakes. What? <laughs> well, wait a minute. Just best holiday overall. Yes. Uh, pump, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Okay. Well, I'll explain yourself. <sighs> okay. Now, for- if you're talking about best eating holiday, it's in a class by what itself. What doesn't Thanksgiving have, B Train? Tell me. It doesn't have significance as far as real meaning behind it. I mean, we're not going to even get into the original <laughs> no. thoughts of oh, Thanksgiving. Geez. We don't have to go that route. <laughs> but I'm just going to say this. Mm-hmm. One, it's a four-hour holiday. You're, you're in a festive mood for about four hours. All right. It's just enough time to eat, get yep. that meal out the okay. way. People have to dress up, which I don't understand why you have to dress up to go eat in the same place that, one's true. that you've been thousands of times to eat. I actually got my butt tore up back in the day by my mom because I didn't want to dress up <laughs> to go to grandma's house to eat. Because I was like, we were just over there two days ago. Why we got to dress up this time yeah. to eat over at grandma's house? That makes sense to me. And dinner's at 2 o'clock instead of its regular time. Right? And, 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 you know, so you're in, a, you're in a mood for about four hours. Then the Detroit, you're, you're probably eating during the Detroit Lions game, whoever they're playing. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to be full. You're going to have that, that itis kick in. You're going to take a nap. Then you're going to watch the Cowboys get beat by whoever they're playing. Yep. <laughs> and then after that, people Zing. are going to leave and go get in line to go buy stuff that they don't have after they've just given thanks for everything that they've gotten. Now they're going to go fight people. Did you for stuff that they don't have. You sent him this question ahead of no, time. I no, I did not. I did not. That's, no. that's, that's that good. was perfect. That's at good. The end. See, those people. So, what, if, if it's not Thanksgiving, what is it for you then? What's yeah, the holiday? What is it? Oh, it's Christmas. Oh, mine's Fourth of July. I mean, I'll put Christmas right there. Too. Christmas is number fire. one. One, it has meaning. We know why we're celebrating sure. Christmas. Thanksgiving, eh? But I'll even put New Year's ahead of Thanksgiving. Hot dogs, what? Fourth New of July. New Year's, me. What? Okay, that's who? A, who that's who, a pagan holiday. Who is in a bad mood on New Year's? That's a good point. Especially this New Year's Eve. Can you imagine yeah. people jumping out of 2020? <laughs> I mean, New Year's is awesome. Don't get, get me, me out of 2020 right now. New Year's is awesome. Who 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 is actually made to go celebrate? Okay, are we New talking Year's? about New Year's Eve? Or are we talking about New Year's? New Year's Day. The whole because New Year's Day you get all the football. I mean, that's, that's New Year's one, Eve you no, get all the parties. That's a 24-hour holiday. That's a real 24-hour holiday. New Year's Eve because you you go to the literal next day. You're not wrong. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Fourth of July, though? I, I don't dog. think either no. one of us are the on birth of a Let me nation. Get one for you, too. No. Fireworks, no. hot dogs. Can we get two pumped and breaks for Fourth yeah. of July? Mm. 
I just you'll, crashed off the highway you'll again. You'll double right now. Now, right. the best eating holiday, uh -huh. it's this Thursday. Yeah, yeah. I disagree. Well, that's why, and that's why I said I brought up the, the, the question because you wake up, you got football on, you've got, uh, you, you got all the food, which is amazing. You got more football. And this year, see, I've never done the Black Friday deal thing. I've no, never once shopped ever. on Black Friday. And then when it's the not NFL, even Black Friday anymore. It's Black Thursday afternoon. I know. It's crazy. And then when the NFL added their third game, I'm yeah. definitely not leaving the house now. And this year, we got Raven Steelers. Woo! Wow. Look. I'm telling you. And, and, again, I love you like brothers, but mm -hmm. my wife, best cook. So, I wake up, start smelling that turkey. See, that's what I'm talking about. It's such a good day. But here's the thing. It's such and a leftovers, good day. If, if Oh, I leftovers? Do I do the Come shopping. On. She's like, you get the biggest turkey you can find when you go into the supermarket. And the bigger the turkey, the longer the leftovers. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Give me a fry pan, leftover turkey, some turkey gravy, uh, and hey, whatever this, vegetables this you This is all coming up in the Pump the Brakes rapid, uh, uh, okay, rapid okay, fire listen. segment. So, so, so here's mm -hmm. the thing. When you start talking about Thanksgiving dinner, one, you eat the same type of meal on Christmas. You do. So it, it's That's not true. even unique to Thanksgiving. Okay. And... Who in the world wants to eat turkey after two days of eating turkey for me, two days straight? This Are you fat, guys this kidding fat me? guy right here. This fat guy. How many days will you eat turkey after Thanksgiving? Till it's gone. <laughs> that was the proper answer, my friend. If I got an 18-pound turkey, it'll it'll probably I run think, out soon. As a matter of fact, I think we found a different sound effect earlier on this on this board that I got in front of me. That is the correct answer, my friend. Oh, that's the that's the wrong one. I'm, I'm hitting all kinds of wrong stuff. It was a clapping. It was an applause sound Thank effect. You. I'll add it in post production because that was the correct answer. If I buy an 18-pound turkey, it runs out. A little. If I get a 20-pound turkey, B, I got an extra day or two. And Look. no. So we got to do this real quick. But Christmas, we don't eat turkey. We have dinner. Do you do ham? We, we have Christmas dinner with the Lycurgos, our neighbors, our friends. Okay. Uh -huh. We have Chinese food on Christmas. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. See, in my house, we've always had the tamales. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Because, well, um, Who I'm, makes the tamales? Well, my mom used to make them. Now she's got a friend who she buys them from. But, you know, I'm right down the middle. I'm an Irish Mexican. So I've got my mom's wow. family's from New York. She's Irish. My dad's family's from here. We're, you know, Mexican side of it. So the holidays are split. We got Thanksgiving with the traditional Thanksgiving stuff. Christmas, we're waking up with some menudo. Got some, got some tamales going on as well in the afternoon. Mm. I'm learning so mm. much about you guys that I never knew. Mm. And I expect that, that we have some tamales. Oh, Beach, I'll bring you some. B-Train bought us cookies and pretzels I'll last I'll bring week. some leftovers. Yeah. Wow. You want them? You want them pre? I want tamales. Okay, you got it. I'll put it order right now. All right. <laughs> how many? <laughs> give me spicy, not spicy. Give me a dozen want? green. Okay, you got wow. it. <laughs> right now. He already Look knows. at the seriousness right, in this right face. Now. Right now, dozen green. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. All right. All it's right. like damn tasty. So that's pretzels. Christmas. That's Christmas. Dozen green. All right. So let's go through the rapid fire portion let's of do it. where Get we were it. supposed to head with this segment. Getting here. angry. Uh, real one last on the on the actual football front. Pump the brakes or not, the soundtrack to Turkey Day in your head. Will always be Madden and Summerall. Always, always, no question. I mean, I mean and you got the turducken. I can't do Frank Caliendo. So good, I can't. Yeah. But it's it's genius. Yeah, and it, so it was just, perfect to begin with, and and it, the genius recreation. I think, so I know pump the brakes, but I mean, I think no. a lot of it had to do with because of the, in my childhood, the Cowboys were so dominant. But the voice though, and, and, they, and he was a giant, right? So it, had, was, to, it right. had to pain him to actually talk All about the games. Cowboys. Well, maybe that's why his calls were always the way they were. My and earliest, he goes into the end zone. My earliest Thanksgiving, <laughs> Billy Sims running the ball for the Lions. <laughs> wow. And then my, you know, Barry Sanders. Do you, ever Barry play, Sanders. you ever play on Turkey Day? You yes, did, the, did. One, the one night game, right? I knew that. but I, I played, um, let's see, I played twice. I beat the Cowboys one time, which was no big deal. Out of way. And um, we lost to the Eagles in 08. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's one I remembered, yeah. Yeah. 
So I was one and one. All right. 500. Let's fly through this. This is this where we're going to get to the food portion. I want rapid fire here. All right? Let's do it. Uh, pump the brakes or not? Deep fried turkey. Uh, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Yeah, that was, that's awful. Give my bro my brother. Oven all day. I have two brothers. My brother in Michigan deep fries a turkey every winter or every Thanksgiving. Uh -huh. It's winter there. My brother in San Antonio is a firefighter, and he makes fun of him every year. He said, because you're going to set something People on fire. People burn the house down every burn year. The hey, it's raining, so I'll slide the fryer underneath <laughs> the, the, the garage or something. Uh, no. cr cranberries are the worst traditional side dish. I don't like cranberries, so... Oh, I gotta I have cranberry sauce with my my stuffing. Oh, really? So, so you're so you're pumping the brakes on that? Because I'm saying it's by far the worst traditional no, side dish. No, no, I gotta have that cranberry out of a can or fresh. Uh, I've had it both. <laughs> uh, I'll I'll take off the can. I mean, because uh -huh. you know that reminds me of my childhood. Karen, Karen, my wife. I'm gonna pump. This is in honor of her, the real MVP. Right. She, she, yeah. <laughs> She makes from she buys the, the real cranberries, soaks okay. them up, and cooks them, and yeah. But of all the sides, I don't like it. It's the worst side. <laughs> no, I'm pumping the brakes on that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, uh, I'll pump the brakes on that too because I'm sure there's something worse. Okay. You, well, you tell me you have Brussels sprouts. I'm not down with oh that. Oh man, I, the last couple of years I'm starting to get into Brussels sprouts. Oh. Right. I mean, I'm Wolf you. Wolf kind of gave us the blueprint. He uh, did. Green bean casserole. Yeah. No, thank you. No, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, sides are meant to be mixed together. On the plate. Yeah. Pump the brakes. What? No, dude. Corn and mashed potatoes might mix together. Oh my lord! A little gravy on that thing. Come on now. Look, I actually have a divider for my food. I'm at, I'm, <laughs> Are you one of those? I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. Got those little child plates. <laughs> yeah, he's got the little styrofoam for Put the potatoes over there in the applesauce. No, oh, man. The God. turkey does not go into the big square, though. It doesn't go <laughs> into the big square. <laughs> we might be related. When you said that, corn and potatoes oh, with we'll gravy on top of it. Oh my goodness. Done. Uh, Yes. Pump, the, pump the brakes on that. Thought, no. Right <laughs> yes, pump the brakes on that. Uh, white gravy has no place at Turkey Day. I'm with you. Brown with gravy you. only. Brown gravy. Brown gravy. Yeah. Only. Okay, good. No, yeah. no pumping the brakes there. Stuffing needs to be cooked in the turkey, not out. Oh, yeah. I'm with you That's on that. Yeah, so no pumping okay. the brakes there either. Yeah. Yeah. Mashed potatoes need to have some chunks, not completely smooth. Totally agree with I'm you on with that. I'm with you 1,000%. Dude, on right? That. right? And the skin. I told you guys. No skin. I'm pumping I take, the brakes no. on the skin. I'm in charge of the only thing they let me touch I is need the, the mashed potatoes. I need the skin. I need, I need that reference. I get the I big the pot smooth. and I put the red skin potatoes. Yeah. The reference, oh. smooth. The reference smooth is a good texture. Yeah. All right. Maybe I'll give it a And that's where all the vitamins are in a potato, too. Because I'm worried about that on Thanksgiving. When you're just in 2,500. Calories, yeah, in an hour. You gotta make sure you <laughs> and, and three times later, you know, because <laughs> yeah, right. you don't yeah. eat just one plate uh, on Thanksgiving Day. Um, I think this might, this was the Wolfly. Absolutely no. He pumped the brake. I'll hit one for him. Uh, marshmallows on the yams. I don't eat yams anyway. Oh, Sweet I eat yams, out. but marshmallows have got to Definitely go. Definitely out. Okay. They, they, they have no place on Thanksgiving. Unless it's a well, s'mores. Unless it's s'mores. Unless it's a dessert. No. Okay. All right. I'm not a no marshmallow s'mores? guy anyway. No, I'm okay with s'mores. I'm not okay with... Okay. And when, when when Wolfley said yeah, this a you. couple segments ago, this warmed my heart. Okay. Pumpkin pie is the most overrated dessert. Oh, absolutely. Pump the brakes. What? Oh, stop it. If we're talking Thanksgiving, the only time of year that I will have a pumpkin pie is mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. But you have to, if you, if, if I have, I can't do it this year, but if I'm having a big gathering, if I invite Crespin family, the Berry family over, yeah. you will have a pumpkin pie. At the Thanksgiving table for dessert. Okay. If I had two more, I wish I had two more hands so I could give it four thumbs down. <laughs> and if you know the reference to that, then you're, you're A-OK -okay with me. You know the reference. Come on. That's Dave Chappelle right there. That's so good. Rick James. You and I talked about this. I'm not, I'm not holding out anything more Cold than it is. 
And you, you brought up sweet potato pie. Right? And I'm okay with that. <laughs> but Thanksgiving, if you're hosting a dinner, you must. You must have a pumpkin pie. You must have oh, Cool no. Whip to go with it. No, no. Nope, Nana's apple pie. you lost me with the Cool it. Whip, too. Right, Again, I, I need two more hands so I could give it six thumbs down. <laughs> what did the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> Slap. Oh, All right. <laughs> you're either right or you're not, so. I wish I had a camera on me. I'm up here acting it out. <laughs> if you're watching it, if you, oh if you can God. see this podcast, you see the random oh hand my God. come in so and slap. Me. All right. Um, I, lost, I lost my place. Okay, uh, dark meat. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Give me all the turkey. Like, I, there's no part of the turkey I, see, that I is off I agree with that. I com- but I will, I will, when the turkey's carved and it's on the platter, yeah. I will seek out the dark meat. And I read a really disturbing story where they were trying to breed these turkeys oh. to have less dark meat because oh, apparently there's more more cholesterol. See, anytime you start talking about breed to, 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 to make it, to modify something, you yeah. lost oh, I'm good, that. yeah. I need, I, I, I'm dark meat. And yes. I don't even think I need to hit the button on this. Uh, green bean casserole. Out. I wish I had two more hands. <laughs> as long as it's not directed my way. This yeah, regular green so beans, and that's it. Oh, and, green beans for yeah, sure. Fella, I think we're ready. I think we, we know go. what's on the table. Bonus question. What is the what is the MVP side on Thanksgiving? Mashed dinner? potatoes. Don't even have to. That's, that's, here, I'll stop the music because the show's over. Mashed potatoes. You don't even got to answer. <laughs> wow. Mashed potatoes. Right? Wow. Am I wrong? Sorry. Well, me is dressing. It's got to be dressing. When Sean says the, the show's over. Dressing <laughs> is the side. No. You're both wrong. What is it? It's what we were talking about it's, before. Hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. So hold that thought. It's dressing. Dressing is not a side? It's it is a side. Is dressing a side? It's a side. It's not the main. Turkey is the main. It's a condiment. What? What? Pump the brakes on what yourself. What are you talking about? It's a you, side. You cook the turkey. You either have the stuffing in or not, per, yeah. per the question we asked before. But when you take the turkey out of the oven, you remove the stuffing. You put it in its own bowl. And yes. you place it to the side. Okay. All right. All right. So... The correct answer. <laughs> <laughs> He's not stressing, uh, dressing, stuffing. I, I, the yeah. correct answer is uh-huh. you have your turkey, and then you have a pile of stuffing or dressing, whichever you prefer to call it, your mashed potatoes, your corn, maybe some carrots. You cover it all green with beans. gravy. That, green beans. That is your f- favorite side. It's all mixed together. All as of one. it? It is the Thanksgiving <laughs> side. All okay. at once. Extra, extra. Bread or no bread? Oh, we got to have a roll. But it's got to be like the roll. Like... You know what I mean? Like the little round rolls that you put in the oven and they're all yeah, toasted. Just what I need, man. I need to wash down my bread stuffing with a roll. <laughs> That's what you do. Am I wrong? I, I got to have it. Like, yeah, there's not Thanksgiving man. dinner without But a it's got to be out of the oven. It's got to be just yes, crispy no enough. Question. You got to cut it. Yeah. See, y'all are making me hungry, man. We got to I'm go. starving right now. Yeah. I'm, never ready to, I'm never ready to go, though. We put all of our thoughts together. We got a hell of a table. Yeah, we, 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 yeah this is a lot of information packed. But <laughs> we're going to be 10 pounds heavier when we come back. <laughs> just oh, thinking man. about this. But uh, from all of us here, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. We'll try to do a show next week. I'm, I'm headed out, so we're going to test. We'll bring you in on the. We're going to test yeah. our, our technical capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at Train and Gross. Thanks to Ron Wolfley for spending some time with us. We'll see you next time on Train and Gross. I holla. <laughs>